0: This ad free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Hello and welcome to Working Overtime, the advice focused hooch to regular old workings turner. I'm Isaac Butler.
1: And I'm Karen Hahn.
0: Karen, how the hell have you been?
1: So good. I always feel like I only remember that I should be making like some kind of metaphor or comparison about working overtime reworking, like until we record. And then I'm like, I should have come up with something smarter, maybe? Because I feel like I always use just the default option. But
0: right. I just come up with it's like the first pairing that comes to my head is the one I write down usually, Mm -hmm. which this time was Turner and Hooch, which is, you know, a really up to date reference that I'm sure all the kids will get because, you know,
1: (laughs) I mean, I get it. So, well, there you go. Anyway, what are we talking about today?
0: (laughs) Today, I thought maybe we might talk about like recharging in between mm-hmm. big projects and like what you do when you finish a big project? Because I feel like I'm still kind of in the middle of that. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you are now done with at least the writing parts of your book, like your book is finished. So you've just finished a big project, right?
1: Yeah. If we just met on the street earlier today and you had been like, oh, you just finished a big project. I'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about, but luckily you have contextualized it. So yes, I have finished writing, writing my book.
0: That's amazing. And so let me just ask, day of, when you were done working on it, when you hit send that final time, did you do anything to celebrate?
1: Honestly, not really, because it's been such a protracted process to right. quote unquote finish this book. I actually finished like writing, writing the text that I had to turn in, I think a couple months ago. But because there's been rounds of proofing after that, which is like when everyone goes through the text and finds like final things that you want to fix, it hasn't felt like it's been done yet. And then I had to find somebody to write the forward for the book, which was its own kind of insane process. But now the forward is in. It came in yesterday. So now, nice. now I'm done with that. But that is all to say, this process has stretched out so much that it doesn't really feel like I've ever been done with it. And it almost Mm -hmm. doesn't feel like I'm done with it now either. That said, my birthday fell right after I think I turned in like the final text that I had to write pre-proofing. And then my partner and I went to Disneyland and then to Big Bear for a week, which was really nice. But again, it has not felt like it has stopped being a giant cloud above me.
0: I also think that it's it's a weird thing. It's one of the things that I, I struggle with and that my wife is is always trying to get me to do is to like recognize that you've accomplished something. I don't know. Do you ever feel this? Because there's so many deadlines, you know, that it's just like even having or owning for a moment that it's like, yeah, I actually did something. Yeah, I actually accomplished it. Yeah, actually the book is done or whatever. It can be a challenge sometimes.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I would say like I like finding reasons to go out and like have a nice meal so maybe it's easier for me to do that but it doesn't necessarily tie as neatly as we've sort of discussed with the feeling of like being done with something like you can put it on a deadline for instance like going out to dinner when you finish all your text or whatever but again like just because of the nature of the process it can it takes a long time to actually let go of stuff
0: Right. And of course, if you reward yourself with Elden Ring, then you'll have like 200 hours before you uh, are free to do anything else.
1: Yeah. Video games are tough to work into. Like you have to really structure your time well, (laughs) because otherwise (laughs) then it's only Elden Ring for the next like three months.
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) So look. I'm not only interested in talking about going out to dinner or whatever or playing Elden Ring, although we could talk about playing Elden Ring, as I know we both spent a few months completely obsessed with it, but also actually about that moment in between projects where you've got to recuperate, recharge your creative muscles and how you do that. We'll have more on that after this. Hey, listeners, we want to hear from you. If you have a creative triumph or a creative question, a guest you'd like to hear from, a kind of artist you'd like us to cover, really anything you want us to talk about on this show, please drop us a line at working at slate.com or give us a call and leave a voicemail at 304-933-9675. That's 304-933-W-O-R-K. All right, back to the show. Okay. We are back. Karen, as mentioned previously, you've recently finished a big project. Do you have plans to regenerate, to recuperate, to re-engage those creative muscles?
1: I really want to, but the tough thing is that I think if, and this comes up on the show a lot, if you're not in a position where you have cash to just burn, you kind of have to keep working. Like, there's not as much of a window to take a break. That said, I've been really lucky to be able to sort of ease back into things and take longer breaks throughout the day. And I also feel like the aforementioned trip that I took with my partner kind of served as my like vacation even though I wasn't totally done with the book yet because that was definitely a week where I just wasn't thinking about everything it's with like what ride am I gonna go on next or like what am I gonna make in this cabinet, Big Bear but it also helps that the stuff that I'm jumping into now is screenwriting rather than book writing so it feels like I'm using a different set of muscles or it feels exciting or creatively exciting in a different way
0: I do think that's smart that it's like one way that you can recharge is actually just jumping into a different form of creative work that's yeah. using different creative muscles that requires different things from you. I think both you and I like to wear a lot of hats. And so that can be kind of easier for us to move between mm-hmm, these mm-hmm. these different things. You know. Every time a show of mine that I directed would open, I would get this like weird postpartum depression. Like there would be a week or two because for directors, when the show opens, the job is done. Yeah. Not when the show closes. And so there would just be like a week or two where I like really couldn't think straight or like whatever my creative time was that I sat aside. I just sit there and stare at the wall or play <laughs> video games. You know, you end up in that weird place. that's sort of both boring and depressing at the same yeah. time. And I get sort of angry at myself. And
1: oh, I-, no. I-, I have
0: never noticed, though, that that is not limited to theater people, that people in all sorts of creative fields feel that when they kind of get over that last hump or, you know, yeah. that post-show depression feeling. And I was just wondering if that's something that you experience.
1: Weirdly for me, I feel like it's less depression, and more anxiety, which I don't think I'm going to stop feeling. Just speaking from my personal experience working on this book, I don't think I'm going to stop feeling that until the book is actually out and a few people have said nice things about it. (laughs) Because until that point, it's like, oh, it's like bullshit. It's just shit. It's just I've done a huge mistake. I've really messed up. But I really think until that point, I'm not going to feel like totally free or totally not worried about it.
0: I'll tell you, you know, that's very common too. From the moment I got the first pass proof pages, which for our listeners who don't mm-hmm. know, before a book comes out for real, it comes out in this form called galleys, which are sent to people in the industry and and, and reviewers and stuff like that. And you can still make changes to the book at that point. In fact, the book is not fully fact-checked or proofread at that point, usually. And so from the moment I got the PDF with those pages to start making those final changes and everything, until about a month after the book came out, maybe, I I don't know, like, I was having panic attacks. I mean, not really panic attacks, but I was so anxious, I had trouble sleeping. I, you know, my heart rate was elevated all the time. I like, you know, it was, it's a really, really hard time. So I definitely... It sucks, uh, yeah. It sucks. It sucks. It's really weird. You've done this thing. All the choices are locked in. Yeah. And there's no impartial person to tell you whether, you know, it works or not. Mm-hmm. So how are you dealing with it? And do you have any advice for other people on how to deal with it?
1: Um. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I really think, like, the only thing that you can do... To get over it is like do something else. Like this is sort of what we've already discussed in the episode, but it's like take a vacation where you unplug and don't think about this stuff at all, or find something else that you can work on that is that you're really excited about that'll occupy the brain space that you would be using to worry otherwise, Mm. so that you're not thinking about that past project. But it is really hard to let go of that feeling, and sometimes you just have to wait for it to like blow over.
0: Well, especially since you know, I think in both of our cases, like the book was somewhat all-consuming for the last few months of putting it together. I mean, you left Slate in part to have the free time to, you know, finish the book. I stopped freelancing for almost a year to finish Mm. the method, you know, so it was basically just the book and working and a little teaching. That was all I was doing, you know? And so it just, it occupies such a space in your brain that then when it moves out, it's like all your fears move in or something. Mm -hmm. But I mean, for me, one thing that I think often helps with this stuff is just like reminding yourself that you love culture. And that's uh, one of the reasons why you want to make art. You know, it's like going to movies or plays, reading books, playing video games, watching TV, whatever. I mean, going to museums, not, uh, And for me, it's like I have to remind myself you're not going to write about this. Like, don't book a job Mm -hmm. to review this stuff. Just go out and enjoy it as a civilian again and remind yourself what it's like to, like, experience art instead of wanting to write about it. You know what I mean?
1: It is really refreshing to be able to turn off that part of your brain, even though it also is very hard to do that.
0: Yes, absolutely. Well, we have a lot more to say about this, I know. So let's take a quick break and then we'll get right back to it. Karen, I feel like there's a weird loop I get into. I don't I don't know if you do or not, but mm-hmm. it's like during these periods where I need to recharge and I'm not at my most productive or creative. I then start beating myself up for like, you're wasting your time. You've only got one precious life. How are you going to (laughs) have a nice shelf worth of books with your name on the spines if you're not working every second? And I know on some cognitive level, that's that's silly because you need those intermissions. You Mm -hmm. need those moments to rebuild so that you can then do another big project and really be at your best for it. But there's a weird thing it's like the the fact that I miss having a big project turns into being angry at myself that I don't or something am I I, I'm crazy right
1: no I honestly think you're totally right because I think I I get the same (laughs) way but I think the really big thing to remember is that it's not totally up to you like working on a book without knowing that it's going to get published is like just screaming into a void for at least a couple of years and then like writing a script for a movie or a tv show in no way guarantees that it's going to get made or even like read by anybody you can really just only do your best in those instances. So you have to remember like the end result that you want, even that is not totally within your control. So the fact that you're constantly working doesn't even mean that you're going to have the end goal that you want. So with that in mind... It's good to take care of yourself first.
0: <laughs> totally. You know, that's funny, Karen, because I, I, I'm glad to hear you say that because I consider you much more well-adjusted than I am. So the fact <laughs> that you also have this uh, anxiety is, is of great comfort.
1: Yeah. I mean, we talk about this so much on the show, but again, I feel like if you don't have security or like just total job security in which you would never worry about money in your life. It is impossible not to worry about this stuff, not just from like an ambition level where it's like, I want to accomplish this stuff, but from a just life and financial level.
0: Right. I mean, I think the solution here, therefore, is for you and I to commit a series of high stakes crimes. Yes, absolutely. And then we'll have like an unlimited cash flow and then we won't have to worry and we can just create whatever we want to create. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, we'll get really into crypto.
0: Get really into crypto. Yes, I think that's very healthy. I think crypto is a space where nothing to go but up.
1: Exactly. Nobody is stealing anything. (laughs) Exactly. It's not a fake economy at all. It's
0: not a fake economy at all. Exactly. I agree. You know, we talked before about, you know, one of the ways to creatively recharge is just to enjoy more of other people's creativity. For me, it mm-hmm. always has to involve leaving the house. It always has to like going to a movie theater, going to a museum. There's something about the physical act, probably because I work from home of leaving yeah. the home that makes it feel more recharging. But, you know, there's another thing that I think we don't talk about enough on this show, which is recharging or reinvesting in your personal relationships that aren't Absolutely. work relationships. Because I don't know about you, but You know, it's not like I was hanging out with friends a lot during the last year of writing the book, in part because of the pandemic, Mm -hmm. but in part because I was just writing the book all the time. So do you, as you look to the months ahead, are you like, this is a period where I'm going to sort of reinvest in those social relationships, spend more time with people, you know, or whatever?
1: Not so explicitly, but I definitely like will be aware of, like, what friends I haven't seen for a longer amount of time and try to put out the feelers and be like, hey, like, I haven't seen you in a while. Like, would love to hang out again. Let's do something soon. And part of that is just, like, a normal part of maintaining relationships with people, even outside of how that relates to your work. Totally. But then that is also, honestly, like, part of taking care of yourself, especially if you know that, like, part of what is going to make you feel better or feel more recharged is hanging out with someone and just doing something else for a little while. For instance, like... I also feel like I have a good handle on how like introverted slash extroverted I am where it's like I would like to hang out with people like one or two times a week but hanging out with someone every night of the week is way 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 too much for me so it's just taking care of yourself in that same way
0: do you have regular thing like I built some regular things during the pandemic because it's like you know when I was living in my mother-in-law's place in rural Virginia and not seeing not physically seeing another human being outside of my family right I was like I like had a book club, (laughs) Yeah, you know, we're still, we're still going. We actually pre existed the pandemic, but like I started over zoom, uh, playing monster of the week with some friends, you know, just so that like, you know, just to have like, you know, like a little role playing game time. You know, I just had to build things to keep myself rooted in human beings beyond me and all these dead people I was writing a book about.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I've, it's been tough to sort of get back into that after moving, like because the main yeah. things that I had in New York were like my D&D group, probably like that was the main thing that was like sort of on the calendar all the time. But that died because I moved and everyone else is still in New York. So
0: you can't do it over Zoom. You can't Zoom in.
1: We could. But I think the scheduling is a little more complicated now that there's a three hour time difference.
0: Oh, right, 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 right. Also, we all know how much you cheat. And so you'd be like, yeah, how I rolled I you? rolled a 20. How I rolled a 20. <laughs> critical damage, critical damage.
1: I'm the group healer, so I actually didn't really do very much damage.
0: Oh, right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. If you enjoy what we do on Working, please make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Big thanks to our Working Overtime producer, Kevin Bendis, and our supervising producer, Cameron Drews. We'll be back with the regular show on Sundays, and in another two weeks, we'll have a new episode of Working Overtime. Until then, get back to work or take a break.